This is Erica Housekeeper. Welcome to Happy Vermont, a travel podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. Allison Conan of Richmond came to Vermont in 2009 to handle PR for Captain Richard Phillips of Underhill, Vermont. As you probably remember, Captain Phillips was taken hostage that year. He was ultimately rescued, and even Tom Hanks played him in a movie a few years later. Allison now lives in Richmond, Vermont, with her husband and their two young children. She's left the corporate world to work for herself and work on the family farm. There's a thousand acres total. Here it's about 700. And the interstate actually came through in the 50s and bisected the farm. In this episode, I talked to Allison about her time working with Captain Phillips and his family during the hostage ordeal and how Allison has created a life of her own in Vermont. While visiting Allison in Richmond a few weeks ago, she took me on a tour of the thousand acre Conant farm in a bobcat vehicle. <laughs> a little puttery, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so you began working in advertising at the age of 23 and you were working on major accounts like Hasbro and Playtex. And then you took a communications job at Maersk, which is one of the largest shipping companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And that job ultimately led you from New Jersey to Vermont in 2009, when one of Maersk's ships was hijacked by Somali pirates and the captain, Richard Phillips, was taken hostage. The company sent you to be with Captain Phillips's wife, Andrea, at their home in Underhill, Vermont, to handle the press. So tell me about that time in your life and what it was like. The time leading up to that was a really exciting part of my career. I worked for a global company directly with the North American CEO of the company, helping to communicate different organizational internal. Sorry, that's, that's, okay. that's the end of the coffee. So I had a big job working at a global company, traveling around with the North American CEO, doing all kinds of communications initiatives. I got to work in Copenhagen for several months, which was the worldwide headquarters, and just had a very interesting and big international career at a pretty young age. And then this crisis happened with the pirates, and I quickly hurried to get to Vermont to get on the scene and manage all the media chaos that was kind of raining down on this family in Underhill that was in the middle of their own like epic crisis because someone they loved was in grave danger. So it was really intense and really exciting but scary too because we just didn't know if he was going to make it and how things would end. And actually things ended very well for him as we know if you've seen the movie. He was rescued and so there was a great homecoming for him and here's me, this very sort of corporate person, stranger and an outsider, but thrust into the middle of this situation and into their community and into their family. And it was just an amazing experience to see all of it transpire, to see the family's sort of personal strength in coping through that difficult time, to see the aftermath and sort of like the nationwide celebration of this man who was a hero. And then for me personally, I was engaged with like the national media. You know, I was talking to the morning news anchors on national programs and helping to arrange media engagements. I was on cable news. I was on CNN. It was crazy. It was not 
anything I saw coming, but certainly a really, really exciting part of my life that I'll never forget. And certainly changed the trajectory of my life as well. So yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I lived in Underhill at that time. And I remember driving by the Phillips's house and I would see all these reporters and I would see you. I mean, this is before I knew you, but I know now that it was you. And you were talking to this crowd of people and giving updates. And I remember how intense the media coverage was. And I think it was either the week Captain Phillips was rescued or maybe even the day, but I was at the Underhill General Store and there were reporters everywhere. And they came up to me and they're like, do you think Captain Phillips is a hero? Well, of course, of course he is. But it was such a crazy time. And like you said, it, it ended well, and thank goodness. You know, he was rescued, and Tom Hanks played him in a movie. And then you bonded with the Phillips, and they're these lovely people. And that's also how you met your husband, Ransom. You met him through Richard and Andrea. And then you eventually moved to Ransom's family farm here in Richmond, and you guys eventually got married. So I'd love to hear about that change in your life. Like, what was that like coming to Vermont first in this big national media frenzy and then coming to live on a farm and marry a farmer? What was that like? It's hard to put into words with that. <laughs> like, I mean, the Phillips saga was just super intense. Like you're talking about the seeing the media. It was like the headline story for, you know, the news cycle for quite a few days. And there were national reporters and producers just like camped out in this little town of Underhill, some of them behaving very badly, if I'm going to be honest about it. <laughs> waiting to get the story. And this family was just like completely traumatized. And here's me kind of trying to re run interference and try and manage the situation. That was epic and crazy. And when that was over, when after he'd been rescued, you know, he had all these opportunities in front of him, an invitation to go to the White House and to be in movies and write a book. And he was just like so grateful to be alive and be with his family and not really in the frame of mind to address any of that. So he and I had a discussion and, you know, it was clear that there was a lot of really interesting opportunities in front of him. I decided that I was going to leave my job at Maersk, which was a job I really loved, to help them sort of sort through this and kind of like go along on this adventure a little bit and see where it leads. And it led to really interesting places for me. I got to meet like so many movie stars and Hollywood people. I got to go to the White House and meet President Obama, which was really cool. And I went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner and I kind of like ran in these circles that it's hard to believe now that, that that's where I was spending my time, but it was so exciting. So that was kind of like the first chapter. Quit the corporate job, see where this adventure leads and I didn't really have a plan at all, but I had had such a very, what I thought was like a well thought out plan from the time I graduated college, leading me to that point in my early thirties, I guess. And that plan had totally backfired. <laughs> all the things that I did plan did not go as well as I had hoped. And my, my job was really good, but I was, I was really overworked and I was in a really competitive environment and I really loved it, but it was a lot. And I had a first marriage that ended and I was like hurt and embarrassed and upset about how all of that went. So I was sort of at this crossroads and then find myself in the middle of this national, <laughs> international adventure. 
So that's sort of like chapter one. And then in Underhill, hanging out a little bit, getting to know the Phillips and their friends, somebody suggested that I might like to meet this farmer that they knew who was single and very eligible bachelor from the way they described it. And so, of course, like Allison in her spirit of adventure was like, oh, I'll go on a date with a farmer thinking, you know, it would be a great story to tell my friends. And then we hit it off. And then I sort of started down another interesting path, which was kind of long distance dating this farmer. I was doing travel for work with the Phillips and kind of coming back to Vermont. And then it became clear that, you know, we had something special and it would be worth giving things a try. So then I moved here. And then we did get married. Not right away. We got married in 2012. So we met in 2009. I had like worked in New York City and, uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, in a more rural part of New Jersey, but still pretty suburban. And then I landed on the farm. And really exciting. There's, there was so much to learn, different than anything I'd experienced before. I thought I knew about farming a little bit in the, in the sense that I knew people who maybe kept a few sheep or had some horses or <laughs> grew vegetables. But it's a different thing when you're farming for a living. It's not a hobby farm. It's a lifestyle. And it's all on the line. You know, there's, it's not like you have a, a career as an accountant and you're also raising some cows as well. So I just really threw myself into learning everything about the farm. And Ransom and I had some really fun experiences early on when we were dating. I remember like going to the barn in the middle of the night because there was a cow that was having trouble giving birth. And I helped deliver the cow and was just like, I can't believe what I'm experiencing, what I'm doing. And now, of course, that's very much a part of everyday life. You know, cows are born and uh, there's always late night visits to the barn, mostly from him. Most of the time I'm not going with him, but I started working for the Agency of Agriculture in 2011 and I was there for actually six years, and that was really fun because it really got me kind of rooted in the agriculture community on a larger way. Understanding like ag policy in the state and meeting farmers all across the state, farmers and food producers, learning more about the ag economy and the importance of agriculture and working lands to Vermont's economy and Vermont's landscape. So it was an interesting opportunity kind of took some of my skills from my previous communications roles and was able to kind of marry them with the new part of my life, which was agriculture. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity because I have a much more nuanced perception of what, or nuanced understanding, I should say, of what agriculture means to Vermont beyond just what's going on here at our farm. And then you were there six years at the Agency of Agriculture? I was there six years, and it was a job I liked very much, but I was a new mom and looking to do something a little different. I felt like I had really done all the things that I wanted to do in that job and wanted to strike out, have a little bit more flexibility to be around on the farm and experiencing all the things that were happening on the farm and then being a little bit more available to do stuff with my daughter. That was before I had my son. But So speaking of your kids, you have two young kids, Catherine Claire also known as Cece, and Merritt. And I was thinking about this the other night. I was actually going through old emails and trying to figure out the year that we met. And I don't know exactly what year it was, but I remember very clearly when we met and how we bonded very quickly over our complex paths to motherhood and our struggles. And both of us have struggled to have children and 
we both had some very serious, painful losses. And we bonded over that and we shared our experiences. And then we've, we've both seen each other through to the other side. I feel like you're someone who's always rooting for me and I'm always rooting for you. And we see what we've both been through and we have these children now that we love so much. And I would love to hear how, how is being a mom to CC and Merritt, how has that changed you or how has that changed your life? I'm feeling emotional thinking about when I first met you because I remember exactly how it happened. I, I was reading Vermont Kids, I think, Vermont Kids, which, well, I was reading Vermont Kids magazine and I read this really beautiful story about a woman who had lost a pregnancy and it resonated with me because I had had a really difficult time. I had a miscarriage and then my second pregnancy, we found out in the second trimester that something was really not okay and there, there was going to be no baby. And I felt so alone. And I was surrounded by community, but still felt so alone. And so when I read this very heartfelt personal essay from a very generous person who was willing to share their story, I thought, I'm going to try and meet that person. <laughs> and that was you. And, and you were there for me just a complete stranger to you, but who was experiencing a loss that's was very difficult and you just showed up. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I'm grateful for you too. Yeah. Now we have like, we still have a lot in common and it's a great friendship. We should just get together more, <laughs> but yeah. So I, you know, here I am on a farm now married, now committed to this farm lifestyle married to the sixth generation of this farm in this beautiful fertile valley really aching to be a mom and not not having much luck with it at all and it was a thing it was a real thing i just felt this like epic irony of being in this place with this history and not being able to make it happen i remember getting a christmas card from a very well-meaning elderly woman in town who told me she was praying to Jesus every night that we would have a baby so that the farm could continue. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm an interesting person who's done great things. And gosh, I'm having trouble having a baby and it just feels so unfair. And not only do I think that everybody's talking about it, but it turns out that this lady from town is putting it in their Christmas card. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was just distraught, but I I'm now a mom and I love to be a mom. It is so fun. I love seeing who my little people are becoming and they're just interesting. It's just very fun to watch them become who they are and like what they like and the funny things they say. And I also just like crafts and sewing and gardening and birthday party. So all that stuff kind of rolls up well under the theme of motherhood for me. I wasn't one of those people who was always like, oh, I can't wait to have kids. Like I didn't know if kids were going to be part of my future, but then I felt like a real aching for them. And now they're here and gosh, it's just so great. I, I really love being a mom. It's my favorite. It's so fun. I know. Absolutely. It's my favorite too. 
And another thing we have in common is that we were both these full-time working moms when our kids were born. When my daughter Phoebe was born in 2011, and then when your daughter Cece was born a few years later. And we both decided at, at different times, for me it was 2013 and I think it was 2017 for you, that we both decided to leave the kind of the full-time corporate, if you will, corporate working world and work for ourselves. And now a big part of your life is that you're working as a communications consultant and you're also working on the farm. So tell me about your day. What are you doing and what is your life like? Yeah, you know what's really fun? And I think we're both doing this. Is we're kind of just like designing our life, right? Like there's kind of this playbook of like what you think you're supposed to do. And then you realize, well, maybe I don't have to listen to that playbook or maybe I can write my own playbook. And so for me, I really love working in communications. I think that helping people communicate better is actually kind of like a, an act of kindness. There's like so much miscommunication in the world. And if you can help make things easier for people, I work a lot with organizations going through organizational changes. So much of our identities are li- wrapped up in our jobs. And if something change is happening at work, you know, if it's communicated badly, that can feel really crummy. So I work with organizations that are going through change and help them do it better, help them make a better experience for their employees, help them meet their goals. So that's great. And I love that part of my life. I love having flexibility to do things in the garden, to do things on the farm, to linger a little bit longer at drop off in the morning and talk to my daughter's teacher and hear about what's going on. Another really important conversation for me, I remember, was talking to you about, you know, job stuff and the desire to kind of be able to ramp up or ramp down depending on what else was going on in our world, if there was creative projects we wanted to pursue. So it's I've been really lucky to work on some great professional projects, but also be able to kind of like design my life and find the space to pursue some of the creative things that I like to pursue and ramp up on family time if that's what I feel like I'm needing. So it's been pretty great. And you know what? I'm 42 now. I get to make my own rules, <laughs> write my own playbook. Well, that's what the 40s are all about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that and varicose veins. <laughs> and slowing metabolism. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the Conant Farm. It, it's history. It, it's so beautiful here. T- tell me about it. The farm has been here since 1854. So Ransom's ancestor, great, great, I don't know, multiple great grandfathers, Samuel Conant and Harriet Conant purchased this land in 1854, and it's been in the family ever since, Ransom's family. So there's about a thousand acres total. Down here in our little valley, we've got about 700 acres, and there's two other pieces of land that we own that kind of make up the difference that are set apart from the farm. And we're primarily a dairy farm, so we milk about 400 cows, Holsteins, those lovely black and white cows that everybody thinks of when they think of Vermont. We make fluid milk, which is shipped to Cabot and the Agrimark Co-op. We're members of the Agrimark Co-op. And so if you eat Cabot cheese, then you are probably had a connection with our farm because our farm makes milk for Cabot cheese. We also make some fluid milk as well. So that's the dairy business. That's, like I said, that's the primary business. And we grow crops to feed our dairy cows, so hay and corn. And then there's also a produce business here that my mother-in-law mainly runs, Conant Sweet Corn in the summertime, which is same day picked fresh sweet corn that 
is really iconic and popular in the neighborhood. People love Conant sweet corn. And my mother-in-law, Debbie, has been doing that since the 1980s. And then pumpkins and squash and gourds in autumn. So that's the produce business. Tell me about the flowers. The flowers are are mine. (laughs) I've always loved flowers. And so landing here and having all this space, I have taken advantage of the opportunity to grow lots and lots of flowers. Some years I do it more than others. You know, in the past, I've grown flowers for weddings and events, grown flowers to sell at our farm stand. And then this year, which was really special, and I think it was my favorite year of growing flowers, my daughter and I grew flowers and sold them as a fundraiser for the Richmond Food Shelf, which was really fun because it was a way to do something I love that sometimes feels a little indulgent and make it an opportunity for my daughter to learn a little bit about giving to the community and also doing good for others. And it was really fun. We got to visit the Richmond Food Shelf and my daughter had her little wad of cash. She had a little mask on and we we toured all the aisles of canned goods and boxed pasta and dropped off that little wad of cash. And it was great. And what was really cute was before we got out of the car, she fished around in her car seat and pulled out eight cents. So we had like $264 and like a nickel and three pennies. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. So the Conan Farm is on a thousand acres and it's located on Route 2 and you really can't miss it. You see this giant barn when you drive by and these wide open fields and you can see parts of it from Interstate 89. And when I got here, you took me on this tour today and there's even more to this place than I realized. And it's just so beautiful and peaceful. What do you love most about farming and living on a farm? I love the seasonality of farming. I love that, you know, spring crops are going in and there's a lot of hustle and bustle around that. And I love watching the crops grow through the summer. You can kind of see day by day. At some points in July, you can literally see day by day that the corn's gotten taller. I love doing stuff with my kids on the farm. We have a little kind of all-terrain vehicle. It's called a Bobcat that we cruise around on, which is, I think, well, which is what you were mentioning, Erica. We just took a tour on. And, you know, there's far reaches of the farm that we can get to on the Bobcat. And we've had just so many fun adventures, picking blackberries and catching tadpoles and exploring little creeks in the in the woods and picking corn and picking pumpkins. So we can have our own little adventures right here this summer. We have been close to home like everybody. We've just explored like every inch of this farm. It's been so fun. So I really loved the opportunity to explore that with them. My little guy loves all the farm equipment. So he's always excited to see the tractors. And it's really fun to experience his joy when he gets a a ride with his dad in the tractor. Or we're just watching out the window, the tractors working. And my daughter is a real naturalist. And so there's a lot of opportunities to explore the creeks and look for minnows in the river and catch butterflies. And it's really fun to experience it with them. It's like a real magical place to grow up. You were showing me all these little nooks and crannies when we were out there on our tour, you know, and by the river and in the fields and these different little places. It must be a wonderful place to grow up. Yeah, they're having so much fun and I yeah, and I'm having so much fun experiencing it with them. This is this has been a great summer in a lot of ways. I almost feel bad about saying that with so much hardship in the world right now. Everything just seems so off the rails, but we've had a great summer. 
and I, they're lucky and I'm lucky. We're all, we're all really lucky. That's how we feel. So you came to Vermont. It's already been 11 years since you came here in 2009. That's really hard to believe. But since you've been here and your life is completely different now, tell me what you love most about being in Vermont. Vermont really has a great sense of community. And I think you don't have to live in Vermont for this, right? Like you can be really close with your the people in your apartment co-op or it's not specific to Vermont, but there is a default in Vermont to community. So you almost have to like actively avoid it. So people are just really connected here. It's small enough that you can kind of know everybody. And that's another fun part of getting together with you, Erica, is catching up on all the people we know in common. But so it's small enough that that you can kind of know everybody and people are really invested in in each other. And, you know, we've certainly seen that with the way that the state's kind of We've all taken care of each other through this pandemic and had great results compared to some other places in the country where, you know, they're struggling a lot more with it. It's hard to understand exactly what makes the community so strong here. I don't know if it's, you know, I hear people say town meeting or front porch forums. All of those things contribute. But I love the sense of community here. I love how rooted people are in their community and invested in their community. I also love all the opportunities to get outdoors. Like we spend a lot of our lives outdoors as Vermonters, more than other places that I've lived. And that's really exciting. There's so much to do and experience. Everybody feels good when they're outside getting fresh air. I love all the great local food and people doing interesting things in the food and farming space. It's really exciting to experience that and see what other farmers are doing. I love the schools. I love the landscape. It's really beautiful here. There's so much to love about Vermont. Yeah, and you're in a great town. It's such a lovely community. There's a lot going on and it's beautiful. And you've got great schools and all of that. And you've got Main Street and it's just a nice place to live. Yeah, it is a great town and great schools, you're right, and great Main Street. And there's a couple business owners on Main Street who've done so much just in the past 10 years since I've been here to really elevate what's going on downtown. So very lucky to be in Richmond. And it's nice and close to Burlington, too. So there's that connection, but not that far from, well, it's rural itself. So I was going to say not that far from rural areas, but we're pretty rural here. Right. And you're still close to Burlington. I remember when I lived in Underhill, it was like a little too far out, but Richmond's kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, I remember when I stayed with the Phillips, it felt like a really long way to go to, to get places from Underhill to, to Burlington, for instance. So in the era of COVID, you hear stories of people fleeing the cities and they want to get out of the suburbs and come to Vermont to live a different life, maybe raise their family here or maybe work here. For someone who 11 years ago decided to leave corporate life and retire their high heels, what advice would you give someone moving to Vermont? Well, first I'd say to anybody who's wearing high heels, get rid of the high heels. (laughs) They're bad for you. They hurt your feet. They're a tool of the patriarchy. (laughs) So no high heels. But for people who are interested in in living in Vermont, my advice would be a couple of things. One, I've heard people say there's no bad weather, just bad clothing, right? So 
gear up, invest in some good clothing, good socks, good warm, darn tough socks, rugged outdoor gear that can keep you comfortable so that you can extend your season so you can be outside longer. And the other thing I would say is that for me, it took a couple years to get into this rhythm actually, but find something you love in every season. So for me, like summer is just the sweet spot for me. I love being in my gardens. I love being outside. And I think pretty much everybody will agree that summer in Vermont is great. And following Vermont is beautiful. And winter when you're skiing or sledding, that's really fun too. But I really struggled in mud season first couple of years. And then I realized that that could be like my garden preparation period. So I really throw myself into growing seeds and dark bleak days of mud season seeing a little progress every day with my garden starts the little flowers that I'm growing from seed or vegetables really helps kind of get me through but find your own thing for each season because you need to have something that you can rely on to bring joy to you throughout the whole year because there's 12 whole months to live in a year and you need to find something that you love for all of them thanks for listening to happy vermont i'm erica housekeeper You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Send me comments, feedback, or story ideas at hello at happyvermont.com. You can also learn more by visiting my website at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much. Take good care and talk to you soon.